0: For me, the fertility awareness practice, you know, the ice cream that is fertility awareness is the body literacy, the knowledge you gain about yourself, like the awareness of where I am in my cycle today. The fact that my fertility is more than just having babies and I get to appreciate, you know, my ovulation and my cyclical cyclicalness. You're listening
1: to the well woman podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's mental cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers and guide you back into your cyclical nature. This is episode 183 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode all about IUDs. Today on the show, I'm joined by Chloe Skurlack, and Chloe is a holistic reproductive health practitioner and full-spectrum fertility awareness educator. Infused with joy, laughter, and play, Chloe teaches fertility awareness education to women and people with cycles so they may regain their sexual and reproductive sovereignty, become advocates for their own health, and live vibrant, healthy lives. She is a full energy bundle, and in this episode, we dive deep into what IUDs are. Between the two of us, we both feel that there's a lot more education that needs to be had around contraceptive choices, and we're both pro-choice. So when it comes to choosing an IUD, whether to have an IUD inserted or have an IUD removed, it's all about becoming fully aware of what actually is an IUD and how does this impact or support our body so in this episode we do talk about what is an iud we talk about how the marina iud the hormonal iud actually works the functioning of it and what it does to your body or how your body responds to the use of the hormonal iud we talk about choosing an educated contraceptive method and we chat about do you really ovulate on an iud Along with what to expect after having an IUD inserted, side effects that can come with hormonal IUDs, the advantages of using an IUD, the disadvantages, and what you can do if you're coming off the IUD. This is a beautiful episode and Chloe is full of energy and shares lots of internal beautiful wisdom with us around IUDs. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it with Chloe. Chloe, welcome to the Well Woman Podcast. Thanks for having me. You are very, very welcome. I love your energy and I'm very much looking forward to today's topic with a lot of excitement. Um, Tell us before we jump in, what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in today in this moment?
0: I'm on cycle day 11 and it's getting close to the evening bedtime for me. So it's nine o'clock my time. And something I do as a person who practices fertility awareness is I check my cervical mucus all day. I check my temperature in the morning and in the evening, I check my cervical position. So soon, probably very soon after this call, I'll be checking my cervical position and charting my findings for the day on my chart. And that is how I typically spend my day um, checking in with my cycle is what my body's telling me and confirming where I am in my cycle.
1: Oh, I love that. Isn't it so divine to just know how your body is and where it is in in your cycle and what's going on and what's to be expected and what's, hang on, this is not expected right now. What's going on here? Yeah, it is. How did you get into this line of work? Like, how did you become a practitioner in holistic reproductive health and fertility awareness educator? Like, Tell us a little bit about Chloe and how she got into this journey of being passionate about all these fun cyclical cervical things. Mm-hmm.
0: For me, I always tell people it started with birth control, but I stay for the body literacy. Mm, so that. in my early twenties, so like 10 years ago now, I was looking for a non-hormonal birth control, a way to prevent pregnancy without hormones. And I discovered that, you know, really it's just asking yourself, how do you like your hormones, you know, in a pill, a patch, an IUD. So during this time, I did a lot of personal research on what would be the best uh, option for myself and I didn't want any kind of hormones. And so in the end, I had discovered fertility awareness and I'd actually discovered fertility awareness through the church through a cousin wow. of mine who was getting married. They take this natural family planning prep course. And that's where she learned about her cervical mucus and about the fact that we're not fertile every single day of our cycle. And as an, you know, as someone in my early twenties and who had spent very little time on the pill, but um, knew I needed something different, I discovered fertility awareness and it was amazing. I was in school at the time I was in university studying the body. So I have my undergrad in kinesiology. So I've always loved the body and how the body works. So to get to know myself um, at this much more deeper and more intimate level of my fertility and to like I said, it started with birth control. So I was like, okay, cool. I can like avoid pregnancy using this method, but 10 years later, you know, that's just the cherry on the top for me, the fertility awareness practice, you know, the ice cream that is fertility awareness is the body literacy, the knowledge you gain about yourself, like the awareness of where I am in my cycle today. The fact that my fertility is more than just having babies. And I get to appreciate, you know, my ovulation and my cyclicalness and my own personal rhythm and beat. And I just, and here I am 10 years later. It's crazy. It's crazy. Beautiful. Actually, mm-hmm. actually, if you think of I, when I say crazy, beautiful,
1: I think of the movie crazy, beautiful. I love that <laughs> movie as a teenager. I really love that movie, um, but it really is crazy, beautiful how you've come like full circle, but what a beautiful way to learn about natural fertility and the ability to support your body by getting to know it through the church. I really love, I've not, never heard anyone share that before. And I think it's mm-hmm. so fantastic that it just goes to show that I know certain communities and community leaders and teachers teach this in like family planning centers or indigenous communities, which I think is really fantastic. Yeah. But through the church too, that's great. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Thank you for In sharing. the end,
0: I decided to teach. In the end, I decided to become a practitioner and teach a different method than the mm. one that I had learned because the values just didn't line up for me. And so I, um, I ended up getting my education through the Justice College International, where I learned a symptothermal a symptom method that was more inclusive to teaching everyone. But I'll always be super grateful about my introduction to fertility mm. awareness in my body.
1: Beautiful journey, like mm-hmm. really is. We all start somewhere, as we as we know. Um, but I think that's fantastic. So today we are talking about the marina, yes. and. It's funny because like, why are we talking about the marina when we're both like both yourself and I are so passionate about natural fertility and natural (laughs) contraceptive methods. But I think it's only really when someone who's on a hormonal form of contraception that the penny drops that they're like, hang on, there's other options. And I think that like, I know myself being on hormonal birth control for, for 12 years, yourself in the past being on hormonal birth control even though that might've been a few years ago, it's very still misleading. And I don't think that there's enough clear, transparent education happening at the starting point of the introductory of hormonal birth control. There's lots of education for once you've, you know, been on the birth control or whatever form that might be. And I think the Marina is one that's, it's not new, but it's one that more people are like, oh, but the pill's really bad. So we'll just get the, the IUD instead. Mm-hmm. So, tell us Chloe, what is the marina because it sounds like a beautiful woman's name who's from Italy or you know, a beautiful like part of Europe. <laughs>
0: That's funny. I wanted to mention too, before we jump in there, because yeah, that's hilarious. Um, As a fertility awareness educator, a lot of people think that I'm anti-pill or anti-hormones or anti-hormonal birth control. And that's not true. Like if anything, when I first started learning, I wanted to like run to the highest hill, you know, to the like top of the mountain and scream, you know, everyone get off the pill or, you know, use fertility awareness. But I've been very humbled in the past 10 years um, of charting and the past five years of teaching that fertility awareness is not necessarily for everyone and that Mm. it really is important to know all of your options, to know all of the pros, the cons, and that's what truly is an informed decision, right? And so, yeah, so let's talk about the IUD and what it is, and what are some pros, and what are some cons, and so, Miranda.
1: Sorry, just just before we jump in, though, I'm like, oh, a part of me is like, I want to learn more about what what you discovered around hormonal contraception, because I really feel that there is a certain place in time and demographic that or different demographics that really are benefited well by the hormonal contraception. But what are your top five takeaways about finding balance in equality of choice and having choice?
0: Well, and that's a privilege, right? In itself, that's a privilege to be able to choose a method that you can listen to your body and be able to make decisions on a daily basis of whether or not I can get sperm in my body. And to even make that choice of I choose not to have sperm in my body is not a choice that we all have. True. And I'm just, I'm, yeah, I, I acknowledge that. Um, I also acknowledge that, you know, people depending on where you are in your life and what you're experiencing might not have the energy, the time or the resources to get to the root cause problems. So take endometriosis, for example, mm. A hormonal IUD can be really helpful in relieving the um, pain and the heavy bleeding and the, you know, that come with endometriosis. So if that's what that person needs in this moment, I just need some relief, right? I don't have the time or energy to work on my diet or to figure out you know, what root cause is happening here, whether it's like an autoimmune issue or an estrogen dominance issue, I just need to be able to like get to work and make money and do, you know, live my life right now. Then an IUD is a, is a great, is a, you know, it would be a great thing in that time. So just to really consider that we're all individuals, you know, with our own unique stories and situations and what might be right for me is not for somebody else, or maybe even just where I'm in my life right now. So something else that I see over and over, and I bet you do too, is people who've been on some form of hormonal birth control for decades of their life, never knowing that the IBS, the brain fog, you know, you know, the mood disorders could have been something that had to do with the hormonal birth control. And so what I think is really cool about what I see nowadays is I'm not so much anti-pill or anti-hormonal birth control as much as I just want people to know, hey, look out for these things. So if all of a sudden you're on hormonal birth control or you have an IUD put in and you're noticing like reoccurrent bacterial vaginosis or yeast infections or gut issues, you can say, oh, wait, it's been a couple of months, maybe even a couple of years. And this is not really working for me versus the people who've been on this for decades that are like, what that was caused by the IUD or by the pill. So for me, that's like the power of informed consent is, yeah, make a decision that's best for you in this moment. And then here's some things to look out for as well. So you can continue to make the best decision for yourself.
1: Mm, So powerful. I hope you don't mind if I add a little, an an add -in in there is one of the members of my Well Women Academy, which is this, you know, the signature membership group that I run is a paraplegic in a wheelchair. And for, for her, being on hormonal contraception is so supportive of her situation. And I think this is the same for adult menstruators who are in care because they have Down syndrome or they have other challenges that change their natural state of living from, for example, you and I, fully able-bodied, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that hormonal contraception can really serve a fantastic place for those people. Because imagine being a quadriplegic and still menstruating, but you can't do anything to support yourself because you're a quadriplegic. So there are some really beautiful purposes for these particular hormonal contraceptions, just like you said. And I just wanted to add those other ones in because a lot of people forget if you are fully able-bodied that, you know, how would someone in that situation do that? you know, like period underwear has changed the world for people who are paraplegics and quadriplegics with men, like potentially menstruating and not knowing when they're going to menstruate and all these other things that can happen that period underwear supports. So yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm glad we deviated a little bit to go, yeah. to go well, over and that. We, yes. I
0: know we didn't even cover all of the things, right? There are totally. so many more other situations where someone might benefit from hormonal contraception. And so I think it's just cool that right at the bat, we can both Acknowledge that and say, Hey, we see you.
1: And I think we would both encourage everyone listening to don't judge, you know, just stick in your own lane, drive your own car, stick in your own lane, focus on your own body, focus on your own goals. And yet, don't judge others based on what they're doing. And as an educator, or well, both of us being educators, everyone's entitled to their decision. So I love that we deviated and we shared that. So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's jump into the marina. Um, obviously, everyone has a different pronunciation of this word depending on where you are in the world but tell us about what the Marina IUD is.
0: Cool so that's one name that's one brand name um, of a hormonal IUD so there's Marina. there's Skyla um, and yeah depending on where in the world you live the hormonal IUD kind of have other different usually fancy dancy cheeky names. Why do they do that? advertising advertising like i would hate
1: to be a girl called skylar and be like oh great they named the iud after me it's like in australia if you're a karen it's like oh you're a karen Mm -hmm. but like yeah anyway
0: like chloe everyone named chloe is like usually a stripper or a dog so those are the people (laughs) that i come that uh yeah i'm compared to all the time but they do they use these fancy names for the hormonal iuds to make them um uh, to, for advertising, for promotional reasons, to make them cheeky, to make them accessible, to make them fun. And yeah, like, Oh, you know, just get the Mirena versus, Hey, how about we put a T-shaped device that, you know, we're going to put this foreign object into your uterus. That's going to completely change your body. How about that? Like, it's not as fun, is it? Saying <laughs> the Mirena.
1: It's but, definitely not as fun.
0: So what a hormonal IUD is, is a T-shaped device that they do insert into your uter- uterus through the cervix so that your uterus also we call you know can also be called a womb is that upside down pear shape in your pelvis and so the upper portion of the uterus is where the lining grows and sheds that will either you know nourish you know help to support a baby or will shed and go through the cervix that we see as menstruation so the iud will sit in the uterus and it will have a string that will come through the cervix that you'll be able to feel if you put your finger inside the vagina. So the hormonal IUD, it releases a continuous stream of the synthetic hormone progestin. And so once you put the IUD in, depending on the kind of IUD you have, it can last anywhere from three to even seven years. And it just every day releases a little bit more of this progestin not to be confused with our hormone progesterone, it's not the same thing. Progestin is a synthetic form and it gets released a little bit more every single day. And what it does is it prevents um, pregnancy in, well, three different ways really. The first way is that having a foreign object in your uterus creates inflammation and creates a hostile environment that nothing wants to implant. Number two, the progestin thins the uterine lining so that implantation is also not favorable there. And then number three, the progestin thickens the cervical mucus so that it actually completely like tries to prevent sperm from even just physically getting through. Those are the three ways that it prevents pregnancy.
1: And I'm sure that a lot of people who may have had the IUD in the past currently have it or are planning on having it didn't even realize that inflammation is one of those three. Mm -hmm. and I think being something that they do on
0: purpose right like this is the inflammation is part of why it works right totally
1: it's like if you put anything that's foreign in your body anything your body can potentially reject it and your body's defending and protecting itself by having the inflammation there like that's like when you roll your ankle your body naturally inflames to protect the joint um I always think about my sister, when she got her belly button pierced when she was like 16, my mom lost her shit when this happened, but my sister's body rejected the belly button piercing. Like it pushed the piercing out. And then she's like, "You know what? I'm just going to get it. I'll get it again. Maybe they didn't do it far enough towards the belly button. Anyway, it rejected it the second time. And it just, that was such a great learning for me to be like, wow, the body actually is so powerful. That can be like, no, we need to get rid of this. And When some think like the belly button, that's just through skins of like, sorry, skins, just through layers of skin, very different to being inserted into an organ or like breast implants inserted into your body, maybe under muscle. They can't just pop out (laughs) unexpectedly. And yet I feel like everybody
0: does. Yes. Sometimes they do. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody whose body legitimately pushed the IUD out.
1: Mm, Mm -hmm. So interesting. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about how the IUD actually works, um, You said three to seven years to have something inside yourself for five years. That's a long time. How does, how does the, I'd love to hear your outlook on this. How does the device leach out the hormone, like releasing the hormone out? Like how does that actually happen at the same pro like process and amount every day for that long? That's a long time.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, so again, depending on the IUD. They'll have 13 to 52 mgs of progestin, and that 20 mcgs of progestin are going to be released every single day. I mean, how do we even measure this? I'm not really sure. Totally. It's crazy. But something interesting about the IUD is I'm sure you and everyone who's listening has heard that, like, the hormonal IUD is low dose. So, this is true when you compare it to the fact that the amount of progestin that is released, um, that we assume or we think is being released, right, in the IUD. Is like one tenth that is being um, exposed to our bodies with a pill or an implant. So, or I should say a pill, sorry, specifically the pill, one tenth of what we get in a pill. Now, that's great in the sense that, you know, there is less progestin. But the thing is, like, there's still enough progestin to, you know, thin the lining, to thicken the cervical mucus. And in many people, it's even completely prevent ovulation from happening altogether. So just because it's low dose doesn't mean that it doesn't have effects, doesn't have side effects and that these side effects aren't, um, you know, that they can be systemic in our whole body. So don't be fooled by the low dose. Just know like these things can still happen.
1: Yeah. And anything synthetic or unnatural in your body is going to have some kind of reaction over a long period of time. If it's like three months, like that's not a long time to like create some healing from.
0: Yeah. Oh I have a great God, analogy really. of the pebble yes, in your shoe.
1: Share, please. So I love it's not mine.
0: I shouldn't say it's mine. Um, I actually heard it from the Fertility Friday podcast, which I love. Love to put a plug in for Lisa anytime I can.
1: So mm-hmm. she Lisa's had been on the show. She's yeah, great. Lisa's
0: amazing. So she had a doctor come to talk about the IUD and he used the analogy of a pebble in your shoe. And I love this analogy because it's very similar in that fact that if you have noticed that you have a pebble in your shoe, kind of similar to when you first get the IUD in you might experience some issues at first, like usually it could be cramping, heavy bleeding, right? So similar to when you have this pebble in your shoe, you're like, ow, it's there. I can feel it. It's annoying. But if you continue to walk with this pebble in your shoe, eventually you might just not notice it. It'll just kind of go away. But that doesn't mean that all, you know, your body is not um, getting out scotch free. So if you continue to walk with this pebble in your shoe, then you might notice that you're compensating in ways that you don't even notice. And now you're walking with a different gait and now all of a sudden your hip is kind of out of line or, you know, something else changes. And so you're getting all of this whole body effects from this tiny little pebble in your shoe that at first was annoying. And now you don't even notice anymore. So the idea is very similar to right. that.
1: Great analogy. I, know, I love right? a good analogy.
0: It's, it's true.
1: It's so true. Like your body naturally learns to adapt um, because we are adaptable, but we want adaptability in in positive lights that support us um, as opposed to stuff that's happening due to a challenge or whatnot. Um, So important. So with the IUD, there's also just to clear it up. There's also the copper IUD. Mm -hmm. So can you describe and share the differences between the hormonal IUD and the copper IUD? Mm
0: -hmm. So the hormonal IUD releases hormones, releases the hormone progestin. This is important. Uh, The copper IUD It doesn't release hormones. Instead, it actually uses the foreign object. So it still creates that inflammation. So the foreign object in your uterus is still going to create an inflammatory, you know, hostile environment for sperm or implantation. But then second, the copper used in the copper IUD is actually a sperm toxin. So it's toxic to sperm. And it, again, tries to prevent sperm from uh, fertilizing the egg. So it's great as a non-hormonal option, for sure. However, it's again, not without its side effects because a lot of people um, do talk about copper toxicity and of course the inflammation. And just because it doesn't have a direct impact on your hormones doesn't mean that it doesn't affect your hormones. So like the copper actually influences our estrogen levels, similar to the zinc influencing our own progesterone levels. So it's, it definitely doesn't go without its side effects either. And something interesting um, between the two I'm loving is the
1: imaging all this.
0: <laughs> what's interesting between the two is that while they're both um, can used as contraception, the hormonal IUD can help heavy periods, meaning it can lighten painful periods because of the progestin thins the uterus lining. However, the copper IUD, it doesn't have the progestin. It doesn't thin the uterus lining. And that's why a lot of people have issues with increased heavy bleeding and painful periods because of that increased inflammation. And it doesn't get that thinning effect that you get from the progestin, from the hormonal IUD.
1: I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new signature membership program, the Well Woman Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, understand ovulation, master menstruation and live cyclically? Well, your menstrual cycle membership is here the well woman academy is a monthly membership where together we study menstrual cycles cycle tracking cycle rituals contraception the feminine eating and moving for your cycle. yep it's the number one place to discover how to end cycle signs and pms for good for less than two dollars a day each month you'll access over 150 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats including written audio video and guided home study not to mention every membership gives back with the menstrual cups to menstruators in need thanks to our commitment with the Cova project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as we awaken your cycle, reconnect your body and guide you to live in cyclical harmony. Learn more and join us at www.welsom.com forward slash academy. This is just a really great highlight that your cycle signs, or oh, I call them cycle signs, like these messages of like heavy bleeds, stagnant bleeds, light bleeds, all of that stuff. They're just signs that there's something else going on. And so what is that? And I love that you mentioned about the thinning of the the uterus lining for the hormonal IUD versus the copper IUD, because I'd love to talk about menstruating on the IUD. Mm. I feel from all the natural fertility clients I've worked with who have been on one of these IUDs, transitioning to a natural form of contraception. They've all experienced such different menstrual cycles. So, some are like, I bleed every three months. Some are like, I haven't had a bleed for three years. Others are like, no, I, I bleed regularly every cycle. Um, so, what's your outlook on that? Like, how does menstruation work? It's clearly, you still ovulate, but how does menstruation work on the hormonal IUD?
0: Okay. Well, first of all, you're not necessarily menstruating or you're not necessarily ovulating on the IUD. So, some people find what they've done the research and they've noticed that um typically i when you first have the iud inserted it the dose which again begs to question how much progestin is released on a daily basis because at the beginning more people tend to stop ovulating and then the longer you have the iud in the less the progestin is released and then the more likely you are to start ovulating again But whenever we're talking about anything with humans and human bodies, there's so many variations. So you may or may not be ovulating on the hormonal IUD, but it's not Mm. sure one way or the other. And here's the tricky thing with hormonal IUDs is because you, um, because the progestin is thin in the lining, you may ovulate and actually not get a period. So a bleeding event then is not a guarantee that you are ovulating. And even if you have a bleeding event, right, that also can just be an estrogen breakthrough bleed. It doesn't necessarily mean you're ovulating either. So it's, it's a little bit tricky. You can't use the bleeding to confirm whether or not you're ovulating. And the bleeding can change a lot with your experience on an IUD, especially like take a hormonal IUD for example, when you first put it in there, a lot of people experience this heavy, painful bleeding that can last for a long time and be super irregular. And then eventually just the bleeding just stops altogether, right? And so, um, and then of course with the copper IUD, you might notice like heavy, super heavy, painful bleeding all of the time. And you don't get any of that relief with the progestin. So all of that is possible on hormonal IUDs or copper IUDs. And the only way to actually confirm whether you're ovulating or not, I would say is to take your temperature every day.
1: That's one reason why BBT is very, very supportive. If you know how to take it accurately, I think that's a really important because a lot of people take BBT and don't actually know how to take it, what contributes to a poor reading, all of those things. So I love that you mentioned all of this because a lot of people who are on the hormonal IUD or the copper IUD assume just because I'm bleeding, oh, it's fine. You know, like I'm still ovulating so I can still like, I'll be fine if I stay on this for another year. And then when we are ready to have a family, Um, or we want to have, you know, have a baby or I want to have a baby. If you're doing it on your own, we'll just come off because I still have a bleed. And so I'm clearly still ovulating and there's many ways to bake a cake. So the recipe is not the same for every cake. So you just need to understand that (laughs) what happened to your best friend could be different to you. And even twins, like identical twins, they could have completely different experiences and they're the closest thing to being the same. Mm. And so there's so many factors that go into that. And I think that's why it's so good to work with someone one-on-one to learn about your own body, your own cycle, your own ovulatory ability, your own, you know, everything, all of those things. So thank you so much. Do you want to add anything else to that?
0: Yeah, just that you, it's, the IODs can be really tricky that way again, just to mm. reiterate that you can be ovulating and not be bleeding, but you could also be bleeding and not be ovulating. And the one way that you can confirm that is with, you know, taking your temperature, which we could spend like a whole other, a whole other call on. Is, Maybe
1: know. we need to come back and do another <laughs> recording and do a BBT. Um, because yeah, you really could. And there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding around it. But I think this is really important because a lot of people just assume. And we never want to make an assumption that, that, what's the book called? Um, the Four Agreements. Yeah. is like one of them is to not assume and so never just assume that your body is doing one thing like always inquire being you know be inquisitive now tell us marina iud insertion like man i'm not good with anything that's like that kind of stuff you know i'm like i want to do my own pap sphere <laughs> i'm that kind of woman so what's it like like what's to be accepted expected with a marina iud insertion and I guess that would be very similar for the hormonal and the copper IUD. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. And so they're in office procedures, meaning that they happen in your, you know, in the doctor's office, it's not a surgery and it can take, you know, just a few minutes and your doctor will likely encourage you to take a painkiller like ibuprofen prior to the procedure, or your doctor may also use a local anesthetic and in very rare cases, a general anesthetic. Um, But to be super real, you know, a lot of people say it hurts and that you know, insertion can be very painful. Where you are in your cycle can actually help. So if you know that you know, you're fertile and your cervix is open and it's releasing cervical mucus, that'd be a great time to have an IUD inserted because naturally your cervix is already in a position where it's you know, more open. Something else to consider too with the insertion is that you know it's gonna cost you. So you have to pay to have it put in um, but also that you will have to schedule and pay to have it taken out. And so this is really important Great point. to think about. Yeah, because take the pandemic, for example, so many people wanted to take their IUD out and couldn't because it wasn't considered an, a necessity, you know, at this time, medically speaking. And so we had heard of all of these people, you know, trying to take out their, um, their IUDs out themselves because they couldn't book either they couldn't book an appointment with their doctors or they couldn't afford to take it out so these are things to consider when you're putting it in for sure
1: such great considerations I'm really glad that you highlighted those because I think I would have been that person in the pandemic or in a lockdown or in isolation praying to my womb to be like come on girlfriend you can do this let's move this thing out and just guide the body now this probably may or may not work depending on your belief of you know inner intuition and guidance but just communicating come on like work with me help get this thing out like my best friend who just gave birth being like come on get this baby out of me you can do it baby Um, but I think it's great to communicate to your body and talk to her like that and ask her like how do you feel with this and what's going on Um there's a lot that's involved and imagine if their financial investment in having the IUD was invested into learning about natural fertility methods Mm. just a redirection of spending so you're still spending the money but you're redirecting it into knowledge that's going to serve you for a lifetime not something that might serve you for three years Mm -hmm. um but thank you for sharing because I think a lot of people would be very unsure about the insertion I have no idea how you would take that thing out on your own
0: people do it yep
1: Oh God, that, yeah. I don't even, I'm feeling the heebie-jeebies even
0: just thinking about it. <laughs> and like we mentioned, some bodies take them out themselves too, right? Totally. Sometimes yep. it's like, nope.
1: And I've even seen pictures on the gram of babies being born with IUDs on their heads. <laughs> or in like, their or hands, hold, holding them yeah, like holding them. Yeah, holding them, like attached to their bodies. And it's just like, wow. And that just goes to show that, you know, it is still potential, you know, 10%. Exactly. And I think that's why it's really important to be savvy and aware. And if you had have known all these other signs potentially with natural fertility to go with an IUD, like I think methods can work together. They don't have to be against each other as well. Um, I'm loving this conversation. Thank you for being here. Let's talk about some of the side effects that can come with having IUDs and hormonal IUDs.
0: Mm-hmm. So like I already mentioned, one of the first things that often happens to people is an increased cramping and irregular bleeding for the first several months. And I bet everyone on the IUD is nodding their head right now and thinking like, yeah, that's what my doctor told me. They'll say the first few months are going to be hard. And then, and then probably your period will be gone. and It'll be great. Which again, I kind of have my own opinions about too. Um, but so that is often to be expected for the first several months. And then something other, the other side effects that can happen with IUDs. Um, one of my favorite resources is iudawareness.org. Is to go to read more about these. But it can be anything from headaches to pelvic pain, especially if there's some preparation from the IUD in the uterus. Back pain, um, vaginal might micro- mi- excuse me, vaginal micro. Oh my gosh, why can't I say that today? Biome? Microbiome. Thank you. I'm like, this could be anywhere. And
1: micros goes in front of a lot of different things.
0: <laughs> like causing increased BV, bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections, um, breast tenderness, mood changes like depression, nutrient depletion, acne. And if you are somebody who's not ovulating, then all of the side effects that come with an ovulation, like um, vaginal dryness or mood changes or increased risk of breast cancer, osteoporosis. so. The thing about bodies is no matter how low dose it is, you got that pebble in your shoe, right? Or if you've made some kind of a change, whether it's with this foreign object, um, whether it's with the copper or you know the, low, the synthetic hormone progestin, it's gonna affect your whole body and it's gonna have a domino effect. And how that shows up in you is gonna be you know, unique to you. So you really just have to be aware of all of these possible side effects. And again, iudawareness.org is a great resource to read more about these, but some of the rare, but very serious side effects that you definitely want to look out for are increased blood clots, migraines, stroke, allergic reaction, um, ectopic pregnancy, painful sex, um, or other complications that can be due to a perforated IUD. Um, So definitely don't ignore any of these side effects.
1: Great overview. Thank you. And I think that just goes to like with everything, just never ignore a Mm. sign. Um, I always love harping on Chloe that your body is designed to love you and care for you and put you first. It's not designed to be like, hey, we hate you today, sister. Here's some period pain. Oh, you didn't like me yesterday. Here's some more period pain today. Like your body does not like... It just does not do that. Like your body is trying to keep you alive and safe and help, like healthy and happy for as long as it possibly can. So it will do the tilting of the pelvis to support you whilst you have a pebble in your shoe. So I love that analogy so much that like, mm-hmm. listen to your body. If something doesn't feel connected and in flow and natural to your body, listen out for that and be like, oh, what is this? And how could I change this? Because what a lot of people consider as normal is actually just common, not normal. Do you see that too?
0: Oh,
1: yeah, period pain, right, as a big one. I think movies have contributed to that <laughs> and media and marketing and um, just buying, oh, well, I get some period pain or, yeah, you know, I bleed a lot, so I just need to have a few days off work. I'm like, that's actually not the, like, that's not the experience. Mm. Let's change that. So um, I'm glad that we've got many um, frontiers helping support that. So thank you for, for your mission in doing that too. Let's talk about support around iud i think a good overview here is i could be like what are five things that you could summer or there could be like 50 things let's be honest but what are maybe the top five things that you feel like everybody needs to know about the iud before they consider even putting that on a list of maybe to have as a form of contraception
0: i mean okay well if we start with even just why somebody would use a hormonal IUD. It is a long-term birth control that you get to set and forget. Right. So that can be really helpful if taking a pill every day is a nuisance, or if you're not in a place in your life right now where paying attention to your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, your cervical position, maybe you're not in a consensual relationship right now that you have you sexual agency over your fertile time. Right. We mentioned a bunch of these at the beginning. So Actually, I have one friend um, when I was traveling in South America, I had met her and she had told me about a horrific experience she had where she had, you know, non-consensual sex. And, you know, I'll never forget one thing she said to me was, I was so happy that I got an IUD inserted before I left for my trip. And that was why she had done that was in case something like this had happened and she didn't, you know, have power over if sperm got into her body or not. So, hormonal IUDs are great long-term birth control that you can just sit and forget. They are super highly effective, right? So they're in like the high nineties in effectiveness, even though we know that it's not hundred percent, like nothing is hundred percent. Right. Um, and they can help reduce heavy periods and they can help reduce the symptoms of painful periods and endometriosis. So, you know, just putting that out there, those are some great advantages of hormonal IUDs.
1: Awesome. Thank you for summarizing that because I think that In a world where Dr. Google, Mr. and Mrs. Google can be quite big, it's very uh, there's always there's there's an answer to everything and there's a positive and a negative to everything online. Like you can find a video of how to scratch your nose off if you really want to, um, you know, and that's possible too. But I think it's important just to be able to summarize things and make them really simple and succinct. So thank you for sharing that. It's really beautiful. Um, Now let's talk about some of the advantages like to kind of summarize our IUD chat, what are some of the advantages of, we've touched on some briefly, but what are some advantages of having an IUD? Like you mentioned long-term contraception. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a set and forget that could be an advantage for somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Long-term birth control that you don't have to worry about, right? You put it in, it stays there for a few years and you don't have to worry about it. Um, it's like, like I said, it's one of the most effective contraceptions we have available. So it's highly effective. Um, and yeah, I would say like those are the top three and they help reduce heavy, painful periods. So if those advantages are, um, if that's what you need, if that's what you're looking for, then some ways that you can support your body is uh, number one, to pay attention to those side effects. So in, once you put the IUD in or even you know a few months later, even a few years later, check in with yourself, both on an emotional, physical, spiritual level of how this may or be affecting you. Um, that in, you can even be charting, you know, so chart your symptoms, chart your experiences, chart the good stuff, chart the bad stuff so that you do have a record and that you can pay attention. Um, again, if you want to know, am I ovulating or not? Because when it comes to health, ovulation is stellar. We want to be ovulating. So if being on a non or being on a hormonal IUD, um, one of the things that was, um, that appealed to you was that you'd still be ovulating don't assume like you said don't assume you're ovulating so take your temperature first thing in the morning put it on a graph and see if that shift is happening and you are in fact ovulating so that's another way that you can support yourself is to confirm that you are in fact ovulating on the hormonal iud um, and some other like really basic ways that, you know, anybody can support themselves um, like, you know, eating nutritious food. Um, it's like, you know, protein and all your, all of the micronutrients, your carbs, your protein, your fats, you know, making sure you have good sleep hygiene, reducing your stress levels, managing your stress levels, playing, making sure you're playing a lot and having a lot of, you know, really fun, you know, sex. So now you have not so much fear of being, you know, having unintended untended pregnancy. So go for it. Enjoy that. Right. Keeping in mind that it doesn't protect against sexually transmitted infections. So that is also mm. something to consider when using it as a contraception. But those would be some of my top ways that yeah, I would encourage people to support themselves. Do you have any? I think,
1: oh, there's so many, like you covered some great ones. I think people just forget about the day-to-day things like have fun, laugh, <laughs> listen to your body drink good water stay hydrated eat nourishing food that comes from the earth Um, make sure you're a part of a community so you can be around other people and feel supported and connected and make sure you spend time in nature so that you connect with earth and feel grounded and supported and held by the earth's you know energy and and Mm. all of that stuff there's lots of things but i think people think it has to be the complicated thing i had this conversation with a client yesterday and they were like oh, like they'd recently been diagnosed with PCOS and they were looking for this big answer to like this big problem and I was just like it's actually quite simple let's just focus on this and I said I can and I just listed off all these things without she was a brand new client so I didn't know anything about her really at the start And I was like I'm sure hypothetically you do this 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 is this, this in your life and you live like this 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 and you forget these things and you wish you had more of that she's like oh my god how do you know me I'm like because it's a rocket science. <laughs> um but you we get so lost in that Google world or that search engine world that it is keep it simple. So I loved your simple things and I loved you said have fun, have more sex, be connected, self-pleasure, all the things. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I have a final question around this topic before we wrap up because I think this is a good way to wrap everything up is How would you suggest to someone who's removing the IUD or having it taken out to support themselves? Because there's lots of topics out there about like detoxing after you come off the birth control pill and all these stuff, you know, to help support that. But what about the IUD? Like, what would you recommend for someone who's having the IUD removed? How can they one support themselves? Probably a lot of the things we already talked about, but how can they support themselves in that process and help release their body from having the IUD?
0: Have a party. I love this question because I have so many clients who are removing their IUDs and then wanting to learn fertility awareness. And every single one of them, I ask them, How are you marking and celebrating this momentous moment in your life? So, whether it's having a party, going out for dinner, you know, drawing yourself a great bubble bath, eating a really nutritious meal, I don't care, whatever, however, you want to celebrate and mark, you know, this huge moment in your life that's that's my advice is don't do it without like celebrating have a party because it is such a great yeah it is such a great decision Uh, and it's, it's not only is it a great decision I know that it's a courageous and difficult decision and can be a very scary decision for many people to remove their IUD and have to rely on other kinds of hormonal or other contraception, excuse me, or to maybe they're just doing that to start a family or to change their health. For whatever reason, somebody is taking out their hormone, their hormonal IUD. I just want them to mark that moment with some kind of celebration. That would be my advice.
1: Oh, I love that. And would you suggest like detoxing or supporting the body in that way?
0: I mean, yeah, sure. Like, you know, our liver does that too, but also depending on, you know, what your diet's like, that's a great, great, a great moment in your life to take stock in how you are living. So one of my favorite things is like a wellness wheel. So take a look at like, what are the foods that you're eating? How are you supporting your liver? You want to detox, you know, eliminate or reduce some of the alcohol, let your liver kind of kick in, right? How's your sleep hygiene? Um, do you want to improve, you know, the amount of you sleep or your, you know, ritual before bedtime? What's your stress management levels like? Um, what's your exercise like? What's your play and recreation like? So, making this huge decision for yourself is also a great time to take stock in your well-being. And like you've mentioned already before, so I know we're on the same page. This is not necessarily like what supplements you take or you know, like what pills we're taking, but the real stuff right? Like the sleep, the play, the food, the movement, the stress management, right? So take stock and see where you're at and see what you can, you know, add or remove and, you know, just put one foot forward and you're doing a great job. So to whoever's Mm -hmm. listening to this and who's ready to take their IUD out, uh, you're doing a great job. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I think I could benefit from having an IUD in, you're doing a great job. I just support everyone who is here making informed decisions for their body. You know, it's like you said, stay in your lane, you know, look out for yourself and look out for your body. And I just commend everyone who is making hard decisions for themselves.
1: I love that. The analogy that just popped into my mind about the stay in your own lane, is like here being close to the beach You'd be like, you can't surf someone else's surfboard whilst they're surfing it. So just stick on your own surfboard. It's <laughs> the same with like, you can't just down the slopes, jump into someone else's skis and be like, hey, sorry guys, I'm taking over here. Like just stick in your own skis or stay on your own snowboard or stay on your own surfboard. Just yeah, do what best serves you. And only you know that, you know, you live in your body, no one else does. Mm. Um, These are great points. Um, Thank you for sharing. Love everything you're about.
0: Thanks for Um, having me and for having this conversation with me. You're so welcome. We need to do this again.
1: Um, How can people find you if they're like, I like this Chloe chick. How can I find out about her? So, where what's the best platform to find you on? Um, yeah, where where can they where can people connect?
0: Mm-hmm. My playground is Instagram, so that's where I like to play, and you'll find me with my name. So, it's just Chloe Skerlak, C H L O E. Remember, like those cats and those stri- or those dogs and those strippers. Some cats are named Chloe too. And Skirlack, S-K-E-R-L-A-K. So Chloe Skirlack is my Instagram handle. You'll find me there on Facebook. You'll find my website, chloeskirlack.com. I offer free 30-minute consultations if people want to ask questions or think about what fertility awareness might look like for them, or if they even have other, they just want to have a consult about their cycles or their contraception decisions. Um, I'm here. I'm here to support people on their journey, whichever, wherever they may be, and yeah. So Chloe Scurlack, just put that in Google and I'll be the first 10 pages.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> don't you, don't you love that when you look, someone's looking for you and you're like, oh, she's the only one here.
0: Yeah. just uh, no one else in the whole world is named Chloe Scurlack. So I got that.
1: I love that. That's all you, you've got that domain. You've got it all. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I have a final podcast question and I'm going to pop all those links in our show notes so people can easily access them and find them. Um, And if you're listening to this on a device, go to the the description um, of this episode and there'll be a link there to get to Chloe. Um, But I love asking this question to all of our guests and I'm very much looking forward to asking you this question. Chloe, I want you to like switching gears, think back to your younger menstruating self. So whatever age that bracket was for you, I want you to think of what are three things that you now know about your cycle that you wish you knew then.
0: Mm, Easy. Number one, it is a gift to menstruate. Number two, it is totally normal and okay to change, to change physically and to change emotionally throughout your cycle. You are not crazy. That is totally normal. And number three, Do not use tampons. (laughs) And mix your blood with water and put it in all your plants or put it in the earth somewhere. Just do not waste that sacred, sacred fluid. Those are the three things.
1: Oh my God, I love that. I have to ask you, why do you say do not use tampons? Because
0: if for all of the reasons economically, environmentally, and even my personally in my own body, I just it's just not good for the environment. It wasn't good for my body. And wait, when I first started bleeding. Um, I immediately was given a pad and was like, what the heck is this diaper never again? And so by day two, yeah, by super rebellious, I was like, they're not using this. And so by day two, I started using tampons and, and you know what the worst part was is I didn't know that there were two holes. So no one told me that there was a urethra and a vagina. And so I went through so many tampons and you know how, how uncomfortable it is to pull out a tampon that's not fully soaked in blood. So mm, I pull out the tampon to pour every dry. time I because I thought it was the same hole. And so it was not until I was um, in, you know, in university that I went and left for Thailand. I went to live in Thailand and they told me that there would be no garbages in the bathroom. So I'd have nowhere to throw my tampon. So that's when I purchased a menstrual cup for the first time. And I had wow. never looked back. Mm. So and I mean, there's so many great products now, right? Like period panties, um, different cups, different discs, like there's just free bleeding. I just, yeah. Don't just keep that tampon out of your vagina. So many other ways, leave it on the shelf.
1: (laughs) Um, everyone's got a different preference and I think it's so beautiful to work, find out what works really well for you. I was, I was a bit similar to you (laughs) when I first started being very athletic and swimming a lot. I was like, I have no choice. I can't wear a pad in the pool. Um, so thank you so much for being here and sharing and, giving us all of your wisdom around IUDs and different forms of contraception, whether it's hormonal, whether it's natural. um, And everyone's got a choice. And I think having education is the best thing. And that's why we're here. And I'm so glad that you're able to join us and share your education. So thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. Be
1: well.